0: All right. All right. It's June fifth, twenty nineteen, and uh, we're in Charleston, and we're um, doing an oral history of uh, retired United States District Court Judge Patrick Michael Duffy, um, and we're doing this on behalf of the uh, South Carolina Supreme Court Historical Society and the South Carolina Bar Foundation. How you doing, Judge? I'm doing well,
1: thank you, and we're sitting in Judge uh, Seymour's chambers since mine are vacated and uh, empty and I want to thank her too because I forgot to do that before. <laughs> but I'm doing well, thank you. Alright, Judge. Well, let, let's start out with asking when you were born. I was born here in Charleston on April 8th, 1943. And at that time, St. Francis Hospital. Uh, i won't tell the story of my parents. and. Uh, I'll start right now with that because it has to do with where we lived and what happened there. Um, I was baptized in Our Lady of Mercy Church on America Street. And we lived in the, what we call Projects, uh, the Meeting Street Projects, They're still there, right opposite uh, number 80 or 180 place, whatever it is where the homeless shelter is. And uh, we lived there until I was two or three years old. and. I remember uh, very little of that time being that young, but I do remember a neighbor because later in life I got to know him a lot better, Bernie Myatt lived next to us in the projects. And we moved from there to the Ben Tillman homes in North Charleston, which was also kind of like public housing. And that leads me to my parents' story. I wear this shamrock and this tie with the shamrock on it to remind me to tell their story today because this wonderful position that I've had for the last 23 years is a payoff for them and what they did and all the people in our family and those that left Ireland did and I was fortunate enough to be the beneficiary of all that. My parents married very young. My dad was an orphan. His parents died when he was three years old. Uh, his father was from Pennsylvania, and his mother was from Charleston. And after they married, they moved to the Philadelphia area. The Duffies uh, had come from Donegal, Ireland, and went to work in the coal mines, anthracite coal region of Pennsylvania, uh, Ash- uh, Asheville, um, Pottsville to and it was a very tough existence for them and my mother's people came from Tipperary in 1845 through the port of New Orleans to Charleston where they joined other people from Tipperary and they came during the potato famine. As important as I try to tell their story and how I ended up where I am For folks that don't know the Irish history, and Donald knows it well enough because he's documented much of it, nobody really left Ireland voluntarily. And so they always yearn to get back. And uh, so with my parents. My mom told me stories of her daddy singing to her when she's going to bed and telling her what Ireland looked like. And when I got old enough to do the family research, I said, Mom, do you realize? Your father was never in Ireland, and he wasn't, but they never lost that. So what I'm saying to you today is this has been a long journey, and I've been the luckiest guy in the world to uh, end up as a federal judge. And when we get into that, you'll understand I never expected, expected that. And uh, I'm so happy to have been fortunate enough to end here. That's the beginning.
0: That's the beginning. Yeah, if
1: you want to know all the places I live, I'll talk for another two hours because we moved from the Ben Tillman Homes, uh, my dad, giving you the background, they married young. He started, as I described, his grandfather and grandmother raised him after his parents died, and um, his grandfather died when he was six. So his grandmother raised him until he was 12, and his sister, who was two years younger, and put him in the orphanage, Catholic orphanage, here in Charleston on Queen Street. And you could only stay there uh, until you graduated high school. He graduated high school at age 16. And the people with whom he was raised had really uh, aunts, the uh, one uncle he had, had left the house by then. Asked him to uh, move in with his grandmother who had raised him and take care of her. So he worked from age sixteen to nineteen at McCarthy Monumentals uh, up on the road as they called it, the cemetery, and took care of his grandmother. At nineteen he talked my mother into eloping and she was uh, very young and It was a real heartbreak to her family, but it was kind of an innocent thing they did. I just want to stop here. How did your mom and dad meet, if you know? They met um, dancing at the Isle of Palms Pier. Uh, Both of them loved to dance. My father was a great dancer. He was actually on dance teams. Back then, they traveled around competing, and he did tap dances and every other kind of thing. great rhythm guy. He could play tunes on the spoons and he could do the bones, he could pick out a tune on the piano, all that kind of thing. Anyway, they fell in love and uh, they got married very young and nobody gave it much chance for success. They actually, uh, since they surprised their parents and everyone else, ended up living in a boarding house as their first marital abode. And from there, my dad, I failed to mention out of the orphan house, uh, orphanage, he was offered a scholarship to the Citadel. and He had to turn it down because he had to take care of his grandmother and uh, later he went to the shipyard when it opened up with jobs just before World War II, 1938 I think, and applied and just went on up because he worked in the Admiral's office as a clerk and the man recognized his talents. And I like to tell this part of the story because my dad didn't tell it to me. One of the great Charleston lawyers, Morris Rosen, told it to me. And he asked, did I know that uh, my dad and Morris were the only two guys out of many applicants at the shipyard who looked across the room and sized up the group and each decided that was a competition. And while it was going on, they didn't know who was gonna get the job. Morris's uncle called him up and said, Morris, you need to go to law school, and I'm gonna pay for it. And so Morris dropped out and Daddy got the job. My father was a brilliant guy, and he was high school educated, but uh, he ended up being the head of the safety department on the Admiral's staff. He held a patent for welding uh, shields, goggles, with an optometrist. He wrote the regulations for nuclear submarines, had the number one safety program for the Navy worldwide. Uh, When they needed someone to investigate a tragedy like the Brooklyn fire, my dad was asked to do that. When private industry asked to set up in the islands, they asked for my father and the government loaned him to them to set it up. So he was recognized as the top of his field. And again, he educated all of his children to terminal degrees and he was smarter than all of us put together and I just can't uh, help but think what a great lawyer he would have been. So I tell you all that to give you the background that I wanted to impart.
0: Okay. Uh, Judge, let me say, after, after y'all um, left the projects um, down by America Street, um, where, where did y'all go next, where did you live?
1: Well, after we left the Ben Tillman Homes, uh, we went west, was really out in the country back then, west Ashley to um, Edgewater Terrace, uh, right by Wapu Cut. Okay. I'm trying to remember the proper name. Edgewater Park? Edgewater Park. And uh, we were there for years. first home my parents were going to buy. But we are next to a floral nursery growing flowers. My mother developed allergies from the flowers. <laughs> so they had to move <laughs> within a year of buying the house. And we went to Mount Pleasant for a year, rented. And then we ended up on Cambridge Avenue in jo- Dorchester Terrace, which is right up by Cosgrove exit off I-26. Spent most of my time there uh, as far as younger years. We... Uh, I was in the very first grade at St. John's Catholic School. Year it opened in 1949.
0: That's located up by the naval base. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, right outside the hospital gate in the shipyard. And it was a very small church. And I should mention at the start that the uh, Catholic church was very much part of our life because we were Irish Catholics, and my parents were very devoted, and uh, we all went to daily mass and participated and I used to sometimes resent having to serve Novena on Monday nights when uh, this comedy TV show came on that everybody was watching. I had to go serve Novena and being Catholic we had to have bingo after Novena so I helped take down the tables after bingo and uh, it was an interesting but warm nest. So, so you went to grammar school at St. John's? How long did you I go went there from 49 first grade to the fourth grade. And in the fifth grade, we the first people in Charleston to ever be bussed. And we, <laughs> we were bussed from North Charleston downtown to St. Patrick's, which is, uh, you know, it's right there off of King Street, one block. And uh, went to St. Patrick's for a year, and then we moved. We bought a house on Weaver Avenue and thought we'd be there forever. Added on to the house and very humble neighborhood, working class neighborhood. But we had the nicest house in the neighborhood and uh, I-26 came through and I think we were there uh, until I was a senior at the Citadel and uh, my parents moved to Charlestown Estates and uh, it was a great neighborhood to grow up in. It's right behind where the uh, Cab Company Restaurant is now next to the Kiowa Homes and Donald grew up on San Susie Street just a couple of blocks from us and all the rest of the group that I went to school with uh, ended up in that area but uh, as a result of that we went to Sacred Heart and I went to Sacred Heart School for one year in the sixth grade so Fourth grade Saint John's fifth grade, Saint Patrick's, sixth grade, uh, Sacred Heart and I had so much fun and the nun was a novice and all the friends that we had, MacMahon, Fosberg, Kurt Robinson. Uh <laughs> I guess we broke that nun in well because she became the mother superior later. But I
0: had so much fun my mother moved me back to Saint Patrick's for the second. <laughs> huh? Well um Judge, when you were in um, grammar school and so forth, um, did you play any sports? Yes, I loved, back then everybody did. I mean, it was just
1: whatever was in season. I always enjoyed uh, basketball and football most. I played baseball and I was a decent player, but uh, in fact, I ended up volunteering to catch because I wanted some action. If you weren't at third base or shortstop, Pitching, you didn't get much action. And uh, so when I got later in high school, I played uh, catcher in some third base. But I played basketball and uh, football every year and as a kid,
0: baseball too. Now, um, I know you said one time that you, uh, I think recently, that you had your first job. Was it six years old? Is that correct? Sixth grade. Sixth grade, I'm sorry. Yeah. What was your yeah. first job?
1: Uh, a pin boy at the rifle club. They always had a German uh, Schutzenfest group and big celebrity up there on, uh, I mean, a lot of celebrating on Harriet Street. In fact, it's much in the press right now. But they had bowling. (laughs) (laughs) And not necessarily favorable press, but they had bowling as a center of what they did. And uh, I had to lie about my age. I was big for my age to get the job. But uh, what I remember was it was really good money. We'd set up pins for league bowling, which would be three games, and uh, get paid $2 the night. And uh, if you stayed around for extra bowling and let folks bowl uh, until they got their fill, they'd roll up a dollar bill and put it in the thumb hole of the bowling ball and Roll it down the gutter, and I'd go home with three dollars, being the happiest guy in town.
0: Now this is before the days of electric pin setters. This one had the big wooden, pens and big you picked wooden them up pins. Big wooden pins.
1: Set them up. Yeah, but we didn't have to set them up individually as they did at the beaches with duck pins. These were tent pins, the big ones, and they had a rack we could throw them in. And it was electric that we could pull something, and the basket would set the pins. But once they were bowling, we'd jump into pit and collect the pins and try not to get hit while the pins were flying from the other alley. Did you ever get hit? Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody did. Now, I understand you used to flip a few hamburgers on Sullivan's Island. Is that correct? Yeah, my
1: Uncle Bubba Kent owned a the grocery store on Sullivan's Island in the Station 26. And it was uh, right between the two main streets. And he got the idea that people going to the beach would like to have some, what, would have been then fast food. So uh, he built a stand outside his grocery store and we sold hot dogs and hamburgers, homemade chili on the hot dogs and people on the way to the beach could stop and get something and uh we did well for a little while because it was new and it was a little I guess maybe three block walk all told to get to the beach front, so when things were quiet, we'd throw something on the grill. My brother and I,
0: Larry and I,
1: eat ourselves.